When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're live from Indy from the NFL Scouting Combine. The league takes over Lucas Oil Stadium and its surroundings for this week. The dissection of measurements, drills, quarterbacks throwing, talk of trading picks. It's all going down and we'll keep you up to date. There's Bryce Young, Alabama's quarterback. Ohio State's C.J. Stroud is arriving. And Kentucky's Will Levis as well as Florida's Anthony Richardson. The quarterbacks expected to throw on Saturday. Of course, everyone set your calendars for that as we welcome you in here. Yeah, We've got our ESPN draft and analyst Matt Miller, Mina Kimes, Ryan Miller. Clark. Yeah, well, he could be Mike if he wants to be. We're going to call him Matt because that's his real name. That's Dan Orlovsky. Lewis Riddick and Adam Schefter joining us. We're here with you for two hours today, so stick with us right up until 5 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, to remind you of the schedule here in Indy, on-field workouts going on right now with the defensive linemen. Live coverage now on NFL Network and NFL Plus through this evening when the linebackers are scheduled to work out. We'll keep you updated on the schedules as we carry on here from Indy throughout the rest of this week. And we'll get back to the scouting side of the combine in a bit but first some news to get to Georgia defensive tackle and top prospect Jalen Carter faces misdemeanor counts of reckless driving and racing in the January 15th wreck that killed offensive lineman Devin Willock and recruiting staff member Chandler LaCroix Carter returned to Athens to answer the charges and was booked at 11:33 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday night released at 11:49 p.m. after posting bond according to online records in a statement yesterday Carter said there's no question question in my mind that when all the facts are known, I will be fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing. We bring in Adam Schefter and Lewis Riddick now. And Adam, we start with you. What's the latest on how this news is reverberating in NFL circles? Well, Laura, as you mentioned last night, after posting bond, Jalen Carter made his way back to Indianapolis to begin to answer the vast array of questions that NFL teams are going to have for him, not only this week, but all the way leading up to the draft process about the events of the night of January 15th that took the lives of two young people connected to the Georgia football program, one player, one staffer, tragic set of events that Jalen Carter allegedly was a part of at some point in time. And so teams will talk to him about what transpired that night. Now, interestingly enough, he is not subject to the NFL's personal conduct policy just yet. But if this case goes on and lingers into the time in which he's drafted, then he would be subject under the NFL's personal conduct policy to potential discipline. And obviously, there are a lot more questions right now than there are answers. But all NFL teams now will go in search of the answers that they need before they're ready to commit to drafting Jalen Carter next month. Yeah, as Adam mentioned there, Jalen Carter back in Indy after going back to Athens to deal with this. Lewis, from the front office perspective, mm. how do NFL teams view this news and handle it, especially now that they do have the chance to talk to him in the next couple of days? Yeah, Laura, we're, we're in a critical phase of the whole player evaluation process. Look, you know, because right now, 
starting here with the combine, well, actually starting with the senior bowl on through to the draft, it's really about medical records, medical condition, medical, you know, what your medical forecast looks like, and then what your personal and football character is like and how that affects where ultimately they slot you in on their draft board. And that's right where Jalen Carter right now, that's where all the focus is going to be on him. It's not about his play on the field. It's not about how much he benches. It's not about his, his uh, vertical jump. It's not about his broad jump. It's about what kind of person are we getting in our building now? Is this just a young man who made a bad mistake, who had a lapse in judgment, you know, and it's something that he's going to be able to learn from and kind of better himself as he matures into a, an NFL veteran? Or is this really just the tip of the iceberg as far as someone who has a, you know, a, a track record of making bad decisions and not really exercising good judgment in those kind of situations where someone isn't watching over you and really just critiquing every single thing that you do? Those are the kinds of um, – questions that are going to be asked of him and those are the kind of answers that people are going to be looking for and quite honestly look when you're trying to manage risk at the top of the draft which make no mistake that's what the draft is in the top 10 it's about managing risk because everyone at that position or in those positions in those top 10 positions is probably in some way shape or form a franchise caliber player it's about am I going to be able to trust this guy to do all the other things outside of playing the game that are not going to put us in harm's way or make us look like we didn't really do our homework. The worst kind of miss that you can have in the draft is a character miss, and that's where right now Jalen Carter is going to have to make sure that he kind of allays everyone's fears about that. All right, we're going to continue to keep an eye on this story, more from Adam and Lewis throughout the show. Let's turn our attention now to the quarterbacks here in Indy, and we start with Bryce Young, Alabama's quarterback, who is the top QB on most people's boards in a fascinating signal caller class. The concern that it's going to keep coming up, however, his size. Now, Young isn't throwing here at the Combine. He will throw at his pro day March 23rd, but lots of conversation around his build either way. We'll see if he put on weight, but expect to be about 5'11", 190 pounds. And in the common draft era, there have been two QBs drafted in the first round that were shorter than six feet tall, Kyler Murray and Johnny Manziel. Both Murray and Manziel weighed 207 pounds, which is the lightest weight for any quarterback drafted in the first round since 2006. Bryce Young was listed at six feet, 194 pounds at Alabama. As I said, we're going to find out what those measurements are here on Saturday in Indy. Once again, all eyes on the measurements, okay? And that's what we can do this time of year. But, Dan, how much do you think when it comes down to actually playing the game at the next level, his size will actually matter? Oh, I mean, the size is going to matter. It is a thing in the NFL. I don't have any concerns about his ability to play at the next level, though. Talent-wise... There's so many different things that differentiate Bryce Young from really the rest of this draft class. One, there is no pulse on this young man. And then two, <laughs> no play is ever dead. And that's the thing that you look at and go, man, the size is concerned, but my goodness, this is hard to replicate when it comes to some of the talent. No pulse is like watching a third down play when you sit there and go, Ownership of the line of scrimmage, third and three, realizes that linebacker is going to be the pressure guy. Now he walks to the line of scrimmage, starts to communicate protection. This is fantastic. Third and three, down six, 940 to go. No one gets open, gets a little internal pressure, takes a shot right into his chest. That's going to happen in the NFL. Miscommunication by him in the tight end, incompletion. Very next play, fourth and three, got to have a situation, hangs in there. You talk about seeing a window happen before it's actually there. Miscommunication or a little bit of confusion by the Texas defenders balls out perfectly. This play is special. Wants to get that little in and out whip route. Goes to throw it. That gets matched right away. Now he sees like that little seam in the middle of the pocket. Let me take off. This is fantastic reaction by him. That defensive tackle kind of closes that. The next five seconds are ridiculous. He's running away from three defenders. 
somehow has his eyes downfield to still see vision of the open window, flips his hips and hits the ball to Jameer Gibbs. I said I wasn't going to compare him to the guy who's playing in Kansas City, and I'm not going to, but my goodness, those look like him. And I think those plays, and I'm telling you, there's like five every game that look like those where you sit there and go, I know he's little, but my goodness, his play is just so special that you feel good about overlooking the size. Yeah. His play also makes me feel more comfortable with his size. Maybe not the weight, which we can address. That's more about durability. But height-wise, I mean, yes, he's going to have to take deeper drops. Yes, you're sure. probably going to have to use a lot of play action right. in the NFL, put him on the move. But what struck me watching his college tape is how comfortable he is throwing to the short and intermediate middle of the field. Yes. Look at this passing chart that shows yards per attempt through to different parts of the field. See that 10.72 number right yeah. in the short middle? That is money. That is where you make easy completions in the NFL. And the reason it's so high is because he hits his receivers in stride and sets them up for yards after the catch, even when sometimes interior pressure is going bearing down. That's not a given, by the way, with sub six foot short, uh, sub six foot quarterbacks to see the middle of the field the way Bryce does. And that makes me less concerned about his ability to translate at the next level. Yeah. Well, Bryce, I had an opportunity. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. You I just cut you today. off. I no, apologize. that's fine. You, you take it. You run the show, what Laura. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm just here dressed like a Twix and now you're <laughs> It is caramel. Uh, so when you talk to Craig Jones, his father today, what stuck out to you about that conversation? Well, I think the first thing was I asked him about Bryce's concerns with his height and how the teams will see him. And he said, well, R.C., this isn't the first time he's been this height. He's like, he's played <laughs> up his entire life. So as a fourth grader, he was playing against sixth graders. He said he's always been this size as compared to his peers. And that made me think about something that Mina said of taking deeper drops and different adaptations. He's had to do that yeah. his entire yeah. career playing this position. You and, if you, and if you yeah. talk to Bryce Young, he's a mature individual, even beyond his years. And it made me think to him coming into a situation of making the decision to go to Alabama based on the fact that he'd get an opportunity to play against elite NFL talent. So when NFL evaluators got an opportunity to watch the film, they couldn't say it was the Pac-12. They couldn't say it was the ACC. They could say that Bryce Young dominated in the league that's going to have 10 to 12 players yeah. drafted on the same night that he will. Yeah. No, I'm, I've talked to teams about this. I don't see any concern about the height, guys. Like you said, whether he's 5'10 and a half, 5'11", they're going to stretch him out. He's gonna, sure. They're going to get him to a 5'11". Like we've seen Kenny Pickett's hand got massaged bigger. I think we're going to see Bryce yeah. Young get nice oh, and massaged that. out. He's going to be ready to go. It's the weight that is right. the concern, yeah. and that's what we'll be waiting for Saturday morning. Is he sub 200 pounds? You saw the graphic. It's never happened before in the modern era in the first round. But I'll tell you, teams aren't that worried about it because, like you said, he, he's played this way his right. whole life, and he's not a scrambler. This is not Kyler Murray who's going to be living outside the pocket. He didn't do that at Alabama. He played Played in the middle of the field and he tore up my Texas Longhorns. Thanks for that, Dan. Mm -hmm. And that is where he <laughs> dominated. Goodness, he? So I, I'm not worried about it. I don't think teams are either. He is uh, the consensus top and, guy. And, and based on size, his father told me in his entire life, he's missed one game. That's little league, middle school, yeah. high school, college, and injury will be the concern, but they have to look back at that history. When teams draft guys in the NFL draft, specifically quarterbacks, there's always a concern of some part of their game that won't. Always. Like when Kyler Baker, there was, is he going to be mature enough? Is, is he athletic enough? There's nothing about Bryce's game that you say he'll fail because of. It is strictly, yeah. is he going to be durable to take that one big hit, or is he going to be durable enough to take a bunch of those hits 
for five, six, seven yeah. years. And that's a real question, though. Yeah. That's you a real question. You think about the toughness and the being able to be available. I think you brought up a good point there. You think about him coming back. You know, he played in that Tennessee game yeah. when he wasn't at 100%, but he said, I don't care. I'm going to be out up. there. And he did. They may not have won the game, but it wasn't Lit because of him. Yeah. All right, we're just getting started here on NFL Live, live from Indianapolis at the Combine. And coming up next with Kellen Moore no longer in the picture, Mike McCarthy will now be calling plays for Dallas. Dan has some thoughts on how this offense needs to change. He'll share. Plus, C.J. Stroud lit up the Big Ten this year in hopes to do the same to NFL defenses. But how close is he to being the top quarterback? Here why R.C. thinks the concerns around Stroud are overblown. NFL Live is brought to you by The Mandalorian, now streaming new episodes Wednesdays only on Disney+. Plus. We'll be right back. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Here's the Week 3 XFL schedule Saturday night on FX. The Sea Dragons take on the Vipers. One team will get their first victory there. And Sunday, the 2-0 Battlehawks square off against the 2-0 Defenders at 1 Eastern. Then it's the Guardians and Renegades, both of those on FX, with the Brahmas and Roughnecks capping the day on ESPN2 and ESPN Deportes at 8 Eastern. Every game also available on ESPN+. Plus. NFL Live back here in Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine. We've got Adam Schefter here with us to go through all the top stories in the league right now there's always a ton of news circulating this time of year Adam let's begin with that starting with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers Laura everybody's waiting for an answer from Aaron Rodgers now that he's come out of the darkness and the Green Bay Packers are not going to make the decision before consulting with Aaron Rodgers who either will decide he wants to continue playing in which case many people around the league believe he'll be traded or he could wind up retiring that is an option that he considered in the darkness as well the Jets would be the obvious landing spot for him though the Carolina Panthers also have inquired about Rodgers availability we'll see whether or not he wants to play meanwhile Derek Carr is here in Indianapolis meeting with teams there is no decision imminent at this point in time he sounds like He's letting these teams go through the drills this weekend, concentrating on getting through the combine. We do expect that Derek Carr will have a decision on a new home before free agency begins the week of March 13th. And as for Daniel Jones and the New York Giants, they continue to meet here at the combine with the Giants intensifying efforts to get Daniel Jones under contract. They say they are cautiously optimistic about a long-term deal with Daniel Jones. The idea here, Laura, would be to get that deal done now so they could use the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. And speaking of franchise tags, there are questions about whether the Cowboys would use it on Tony Pollard, who they do not want to allow to get out of Dallas. There are questions about Zeke Elliott's future in Dallas, he's got no more guaranteed money on that contract. And there are people 
around the league who believe that Zeke Elliott remains a prime cut candidate before the new league year begins in March while the Cowboys continue to talk to Tony Pollard about a long-term deal. And if they can't get something done there, then he also becomes a franchise tag candidate. Hey, so something to keep an eye on. And certainly whoever is the main or maybe the couple running backs for the Cowboys next year feels like it's going to be really important based on what Mike McCarthy said in talking about his former offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. He said, quote, I've been where Kellen has been. Kellen wants to light the scoreboard up, but I want to run the damn ball so I can rest my defense. I think when you're a coordinator, you know, you're in charge of the offense. Being a head coach and being a play caller, you're a little more in tune with everything. I don't desire to be the number one offense in the league. I want to be the number number one team in the league with a number of wins and a championship. And if we've got to give up some production and take care of the ball to get better at that, then that's what we'll do because we have a really good defense. It's interesting there. There's so many different ways to look at that as Mina's got her head in her hands for very good reason. Mina, what do you think of those quotes from McCarthy? I'm so glad Marcus is in here. <laughs> I love Marcus. I know. Marcus but, uh, is watching at home and he's like, ah! Marcus, box your ears because you're not going to like what I'm about to say. That is such an outdated way of thinking about football. If I'm forward. interpreting it correctly, which which is he saying he wishes they ran the ball more. Mm. First, the Cowboys did run the ball a lot last year. They ranked near the top of the league. And when they ran on first down, they ranked 22nd in converting a new set, uh, another set of downs. When they Ooh. passed on first down, they were second, only to the Chiefs. <laughs> you know how you keep your defense uh, uh, off the field? You stay on the field by yeah. converting, not yeah. by running the ball. It's about efficiency. Now, if he's saying he wants to run the ball better, that's one thing. But run the ball, damn ball to me sounds like it's about volume, and I do not the, like hearing that. RC is so mad right now. The number one note I have is early down aggression. That's what this offense needs more than just running the football. That so, quote. Uh, damn, listen, that quote is I, not good. It, it's, and he was the guy that when he came back and took the job with Dallas, that he spent time doing analytics yes. and whatnot. So Betrayal. I, I think that if you were going to ask – with him taking over as play caller right now, what are some of the tweaks and or changes that need to be made for this offense? I'd stay with <laughs> make sure we do not stress these interceptions from Dak last year. I think they're a yeah. one-off more than who he is. Agreed. Early down aggressive passing the football. You know, Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Colts, said throw to score, run to win. So that's the philosophy nowadays. Oh. So throw to score, run to win, early down Language. aggression. I want more play action for Dak Prescott, not yes. just line him up in the shotgun and very standstill, and more forma formation manipulation. The downside, that's not Mike McCarthy's past. Mm. And I think it's going to look a lot like it has in years past, which he's saying they're going to try to get away from. Yeah, RC, he's calling plays. So, I mean. So here's my issue. You First off. You guys are so good at your jobs, like absolutely phenomenal. This has nothing to do with football, what I'm about to say. Mike McCarthy is a very, very little man. Mm. You had Kellen Moore inside of your building. These are conversations that you could have with Kellen Moore when you decided to part ways, even uh. if it was a very philosophical reasoning behind that. That's not for the public. If you want to come to us and tell us what type of play caller you will be, absolutely sure. be that play caller. But in your quote, you basically said, I don't want an offensive coordinator who wants to score a lot of points. That's what you're saying. It's not he great. is more focused on making sure uh. we have a lot of points in order to compete against another team who is attempting to have a lot of points. I don't Eight want points. to have a lot of points. I want to hold the ball yet not score 
score a lot of points in order for my defense to rest because my defense is good. That doesn't make sense. No, at all. Especially when you look Math at the numbers. Nothing. Especially when you look at the numbers of a team that actually utilized the run very well. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. also passed the football. Now, he gets to the end and he mentions not turning the football over. So now we're focusing on something that it was Dak Prescott and also some unfortunate situations. And we're saying to ourselves that that's going to be the norm. Right. This was such a tone deaf and irrelevant statement. This sounds like a man that knows this is his last ditch effort to keep the team. Now I'm putting it on him. So now if we win, it's about me and I don't get fired and Dan Quinn doesn't take over. Let, his head let me just to your point. Let me just remind people the quote started with I've been where Kellen has been. Kellen wants to light the scoreboard up, but I want to run the ball. Every good yeah. Really, All right. Really hate All scoring right. points. There we go. Yeah. No points. Goal? We're not going to score them. All right. Coming up next on NFL Live from the scouting combine in Indy. This draft class has some serious edge talent. They're on the field right now. Players like Will Anderson Jr. and Tyree Wilson. Mina thinks one of them could soon climb up the draft boards. Plus, the Bears are leaning towards trading away the number one pick, which begs the question, which team should look to trade up for a quarterback and who should they take? Our analysts dive in. More coming your way from Indy. Look at these Cowboy fans. They said, we got to get out of here after that. Y'all they all made us feel sad. We got to leave. He said, I'm out. I'm going to go. <laughs> What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. We're back in Indy. We're edge rushers working out for scouts today. Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson headline the list as teams looking for wingspan and arm length here. In addition to the drills we'll see on the field, the three-cone drill is where it's at when it comes to evaluating edge rushers. It simulates bending, fighting through contact to finish. Elite pass rushers, they're hoping to test under seven seconds on the three-cone. And more on Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson. Anderson racked up 34 and a half sacks over the last three seasons, by far the most by any player in the FBS. Wilson had a breakout 2022 season when he led the nation in pressure rate as an edge rusher. Anderson will participate in some of the drills here at the Combine today. Wilson will not as he continues to recover from foot surgery. But RC, do you think that Tyree Wilson is gaining some ground on Will Anderson and maybe should go ahead of him? So, see, I was with you and then you threw the monkey <laughs> wrench at the end. I do believe that he's gaining ground because when you watch his film and you also see the length, the ability to go from speed to power or from power to speed, 
speed, also the way that he uses his hands. You're going to fall in love with this guy, especially once the measurables start to be seen. But let's not make this too complicated, right? Let's think about the film of Will Anderson. Let's Ooh. think about the way that he's impacted games from the time we've watched him on the field in Tuscaloosa, whether it was rushing the quarterback. We've watched him drop into coverage. The way that he's finished plays, having scoop and scores, pick sixes, all of these things that he's been able to do and the focus that he was that, that was put on him and the attention that he gained each and every game last year in the SEC. I just believe that when we start to look at his film, we'll remember something similar to what I think teams should have remembered last year. When you look at Trayvon Walker and the things that we saw from Aiden Hutchison, sometimes the film don't lie. Yeah, here, here's the only question I have with, with Will Anderson, and I agree with you 100%. Look, he, he plays his rear end off. Nobody plays tougher than him. Any defensive end who is 240, 250 that can go all the way down inside to a, from a one technique out to a nine, look, you've got my respect. <laughs> but look, I'll tell you what. See, scouting to me is always about context. So when I watch him against Tennessee, for instance, right, I want to see him going up against Darnell Wright, who is an absolute monster. Darnell Wright is a monster. He's an eraser. He will take people's hearts away in, in football games. Will struggled with this guy because he didn't have a pass rush package. He didn't have a counter to go with it. He just kept trying to run down the middle on him. And Darnell Wright is like, are you kidding me? You're not going anywhere. I'm just going to lock you down. I'm 6'6", 330 pounds, and I have 35-inch arms. So you're going to have to come with something other than just effort, motor, bull rush. You better be able to counter. You better have a great get-off, and you better just be able to develop that. So, look, I'm not saying Will Anderson is not going to be a great pro because there's been many guys who have come into the NFL who in college we thought, this guy's not a really good pass rusher. This guy in Pittsburgh who wears number 90 named T.J. Mm, Watt. Mm, when yep. he came out of school, mm. people thought, he's not going to be that good, and you see what T.J. did. So all I'm saying, though, is there's levels to it when you're talking about the top of the draft. Now it's just about where do I draft the guy, not if I draft him, because Will Anderson's going to go, he's going to go high, and he's going to be productive. But let's just not lose sight of the fact that he needs to continue to develop his game, because if you go up against guys like Darnell Wright and just go, come with that, that's what you're going to get. Good point. Yeah, I will say this. Uh, will Anderson is his own probably worst enemy when it comes to criticism. Like, he wants to be the oh, absolute sure. best. So if he happens to think he got disrespected where he gets picked, <laughs> that's going to factor in. Mina, what have you liked, though, as you've continued to watch the film of Wilson? Yeah, uh, I still have Anderson above him, but it was closer, frankly, than mm -hmm. I thought upon watching Tyree. Um, talked about the measurables I, I'm really curious to see where his wingspan comes yeah. in because that dude is built like a pterodactyl and it shows on the <laughs> field the length and the way he uses those long arms coupled with his insane closing speed uh, it, it's it's really remarkable he has speed he has power he doesn't have a complete set of pass rushing moves but where he's different from Trevon Walker is he has proven already that he can yeah. get after the quarterback That's at the true. very top we showed a stat that he has a 20% pressure rate which is top in FBS Walker in his final year at Georgia rushing just from the edge. I know he lined up all over was only at 8%, which mm -hmm. was 154th. Mm -hmm. So Wilson has already shown that ability. I do think he needs to work on his moves, but his upside is pretty extraordinary. And watch out for that wingspan. Th that's one of those measurements that here we it's all gonna be crazy. Get excited. I'm just telling you guys, <laughs> wait for that to come in. Oh, we'll keep you updated as soon as we find out what it is. Coming up next, let's talk a little quarterbacks, okay, guys? Why don't we? Will Levis's arm talent has NFL scouts drooling over his pro potential. Dan will tell you the strengths of the former Kentucky Wildcat, how he could fit into some pro schemes. That's coming your way. Plus, the Lamar Jackson contract negotiations continue. Will he stay in Baltimore? Could he be on the move? Adam Schefter fills us in on the latest. RC has a possible landing spot in mind outside of Baltimore. That's next.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Set your calendars for Saturday afternoon when Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson are expected to throw. Should be quite the show. Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops told me this week he's thrilled to see Levis was going to throw. He doesn't shy away from competition or pressure ever. He said it's going to be a treat to watch the ball jump out of the former Wildcats hand. And Levis had an impressive debut season at Kentucky in 2021, posting a 77 QBR, also rushing for nine touchdowns. However, his QBR declined to 61 this past season season. He wasn't that much of a rushing threat running for only two touchdowns. Kentucky's O-line played a role though in Levis's struggles last season as he was sacked 36 times fifth most among power five QBs. Just one more thing from Stoops when I talked to him a couple days ago he said I wish we could have done better for Will. He said if you're looking at that tape and you can't factor in the O-line and of course the freshman receivers and all but that he the said then you're part. not looking at it right. That's the hard part though. And that's why I think this is the most important week for any player. Him. Because the talent that Coach Stoops is talking about, it doesn't match the tape. Mm -hmm. And you have to find the reason of, well, the offensive line was awful. And their receivers, there's more plays where they're not open than when they are open. Because there are moments when you watch and you go, well, there's that talent that is making him this top five conversation. Shuffle, shuffle. This ball is going to get thrown from, what, the 32, 33-yard line on an absolute laser 40 yards from basically one hash to the sideline. And I've asked the question, who's that look like? Just when you watch the play, it looks like Josh Allen. Shuffle, shuffle, a little bit of movement, back foot, and just an absolute rip of a throw. So Mm. the arm is there. And then you're asking yourself, like, in the pocket, what kind of person he is. When he gets a little ball fake, eyes downfield, I love that because he's trying to find what the coverage is and safeties, puts his back foot in the ground. Now he's making his throw, and here comes an unblocked defensive tackle. Bad offensive line. Hang in there and pin the ball on a receiver. And so those are the plays you sit there and go, man, I I really like that. But when you watch, and that's why if I was in the combine, if I'm a quarterback coach or a GM, I want to play some of the plays, and I'm not going to say anything, but tell me about what happened here. Hmm. Because I don't, I want to know, like, what was your read? Because there's stuff on tape where you sit there and go, why would you throw that ball right there? Yeah. And I want to hear him tell me what his thought process was because the, the things that were around him were so bad, it's a tough evaluation. It really is because you see the talent, but then the, the production doesn't match that. <laughs> this show's so funny to me, and I think that's why it's good because we all <laughs> do think a lot. But when I was on the production call, I was like, who don't want a Josh Allen? And – Success leaves yeah. footprints, yeah. right? And so the, the footprints of Josh Allen, people are going to be searching for that. And totally. Will Levis has some of those tapes. I didn't even I, – traits, I didn't even know what your tape was. But you're going to ask yourself those questions, the whys. But what's going to start happening is once he shows that arm talent, once you see how physical he is, once you see that he's intelligent, you're going to start making excuses for him. It's like when girls sit around and they're having girl talk and they're talking about the <laughs> fact that their man messed up the birthday party you right. know what she's gonna say like if he has money and if he and if he works hard and he's, <laughs> he's handsome girl he was just busy <laughs> right they're gonna find reasons to make excuses
Massachusetts as Coach Stoops was already to Laura. It was the offensive line. He had young guys on the yeah. outside. Go back to the previous year tape because you're going to see those traits and they're going to be so tantalizing. You're going to look forward to saying, I know he can be this yeah. for me. Yeah. I'm just trying to follow. Will Levis is the guy who messed up the birthday party yes. in this analogy, yeah. right? Yes, okay. he is. But he had a lot of good reasons. <laughs> and, and when I watch him, or when I watch Kentucky, because you got to be kind of holistic about this. So I watched him after C.J. Stroud. It's kind of a mistake because, boy, they were playing two different sports in those <laughs> offenses. I mean, you got C.J. Stroud throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, my God, that Clean guy. Pockets. Jackson Smith and Jigba barely pressured. Levis was pressured like 10% higher right. than him. We talked about the receivers. Offensive coordinator gets fired at the end of the season. He had changed from the previous season. To me, it's like the distinction you have to draw. Here's, here's the Will Levis hardship graphic. <laughs> the distinction you have to draw is one that Ryan, I think you astutely pointed out, is is it context or is it excuses? Yep. And that's what NFL teams are going to have to figure out. The truth probably lies somewhere in the, in the middle, middle yeah. to be honest, but it's going to be challenging because it is different context. Uh, one thing about that arm, just really quick, yeah. is uh, Stoops mentioned he's watched him throw in sleet, snow, rain, the weather conditions, depending on the team that he went oh. It yeah. Saturday's going to look pretty, man. <laughs> right. Like, I do think that matters, though, at totally. this level when you think about who and where he could be playing. And absolutely. And, I, and the contrast, because Josh Allen, everyone said, well, he didn't have great talent around him at Wyoming. He won't play against the SEC either. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah. when you're the Kentucky yeah. and you have nobody on offense and the quarterback's got to play against that high-level talent on defense. Yeah. And then there's stretches where they take the ball out of his hand as well. And you sit yeah. there and go, is it because they didn't trust him or is it because they knew yeah. we can't protect them we can't get open that's it yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what i guess i've decided i'm the girl at the birthday party but i don't really care as long as we would cake, never forget so. that. <laughs> thank you yeah well thanks dan kind of cake all right uh really just vanilla cake and chocolate frosting what what do you mean okay Very i like confetti all right still no deal for lamar jackson the ravens though baltimore keeps saying they really want to get something finalized with lamar the ravens brass is here in indy for the combine speaking to the media where of course they were asked about their star quarterback we're going to start with GM Eric DaCosta first. He's my quarterback. He's my guy. I love him. And uh, as a coach, I just, I'm looking forward to seeing it get done, but it's not easy. You know, it's never easy. It's the business part of it. So, um, but I'm really hopeful and excited, fervently hopeful, and I uh, can't wait for it to get done. We think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's certainly one of our best players, uh, and we want him back. You know, there's a couple different franchise tags. Uh, we're hopeful that we'll get a deal done with Lamar before that happens. But uh, sure, they're big numbers. We're, we've known they're big numbers. We're prepared for that. And we've got four or five or six different plans based on what happens over the next 10 days. All right, so Lamar, not the only di issue that the Ravens are dealing with. Rashad Bateman responded to Eric DaCosta talking about the challenges the Ravens have had drafting a receiver with this tweet that he subsequently deleted. He said, how about you play to your players' strengths and stop pointing the finger at us in number eight? Of course, that's Lamar. Blame the one you let do this. We take the heat 24-7 and keep us healthy. Care about us and see what happens. And no promises, though. Tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason. <laughs> you know what? I actually got that. I got that a little better than I expected. All right, Adam. Um, as we said, that tweet by Rashad Bateman has been deleted, and yeah. he ended up adding a tweet, my apologies, with the hug emoji, which I'm not sure which emoji that is. But what more can you add on what's going on here with Bateman? Well, again, I think both sides talked after that tweet. 
and it was explained to Rashad Bateman that the comments were taken out of context because two questions before that were a question about Rashad Bateman in which the Ravens general manager specifically praised Rashad Bateman and all the progress that he made and how good of a wide receiver he is before he later added to a subsequent question, we've never really been able to hit on that upper all-pro type of guy, which is a surprise. Now, again, these comments were all taken together. Rashad Bateman saw what he did, felt the way he did, put it out, and obviously did not feel the same way about the Ravens organization. And so after that happened, he pressed delete, the two sides have spoken. They've cleared the air, apparently. And I think we think back to what Herm Edwards always says, those magical three words, don't press send. Yep, yeah, well, you know, it's good advice for all of us. It was interesting that he mentioned Lamar there, though. More from Adam coming. RC, I think overall, how would you describe the way that this seems to be going? Bateman, Lamar, the Ravens. There's an issue. Yeah. Uh, where, where there's smoke, there, there's fire. And the fact that he mentioned Lamar, Dan's been in locker rooms. He understands that when you have that sort of brotherhood, even if it's not affecting you and you see that Lamar is being mistreated or you feel like he's being misrepresented as it pertains to the public, you're going to feel for your brother. You're going to want him to be perceived or looked at or talked about in a certain way. And so I think it's not only what Rashad Bateman has dealt with within that locker room, also now what Lamar Jackson is dealing with. And think about both of those players. Both of those players have been injured. Keep us healthy. You know that the one that's doing yep. this to us. Yeah. And so there's something going on where you can point to a person or point to an individual or circumstance inside that locker room that Rashad Bateman feels like is the issue and is not being pointed out. And he's saying, okay, you know that something's going on and you keep allowing everyone else to think it's us. That's an issue. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot to keep an eye on there to your points, RC. The franchise tag deadline, by the way, Tuesday, March 7th. That's next Tuesday. So a lot needs to be figured out even before then with multiple teams, including the Ravens. We got more coming your way after the break. Okay, the ball is in Chicago's court with more leverage than any other team in the draft. We discuss what the Bears should do with the number one pick, plus some context from Adam on what they probably will do. We got a Bears fan up in here. I like the jacket. Can I get that? That's cool. It wouldn't fit me, but oversized is in, especially for me right now. We'll be right back with more from Indy. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Quarterback prospect. But I think there's four that are probably likely to go in the top half of the first round. 15 has shown up and shown out. The name that continues to come to mind is CJ Stroud. He is such a great thrower of the football. Stroud delivers a strike. He has the strongest arm of the top three quarterbacks. He might be the next Josh Allen because he might be a better, much better NFL player than college player. 
Live is on the road in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. So glad you're with us here. And we've got a whole lot more coming your way as we enter into hour two of our program. Look at the quarterbacks coming in. That's Bryce Young from Alabama. And then, of course, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State making his entrance. Will Levis, who you just heard Todd McShay comparing to Josh Allen. And Anthony Richardson, maybe the most exciting and polarizing prospect in this entire draft. They will throw on Saturday, some of them. And, of course, a reminder of the schedule here today. On-field workouts going on right now with the defensive linemen. Live coverage is now on NFL Network and NFL Plus through this evening when the linebackers are scheduled to work out. Workouts happening, of course, throughout the days here in Indy as the NFL has taken over this area of the country. News always circulating at the Combine and leading into this week. Adam Schefter reported that the Bears were leaning towards trading the number one overall pick. Some teams that may want it, okay? The Panthers, Colts, maybe even the Texans if they feel their QB target could be taken right before they pick. Here's what Colts GM Chris Ballard said that would lead to going up. To move up, you, there's got to be a guy worthy of it, okay? Everybody has just automatically stamped that you've got to move up to one to get it right. I, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't. But that's going to be the narrative. And that's okay. I don't know if that's the, the right course of business. When we meet as a staff and we say, okay, this is what we need to do. This is the guy for the next 10 to 15 years, and we think he's the right guy. Sure, we'll do it. But who's to say we won't get one at four? That little shrug, though, okay? Since 1990, <laughs> there have been six instances of a team trading up for the first overall pick. The last time it happened was in 2016 when the Rams traded up to select Jared Goff with the top pick. In that deal, the Rams sent the Titans two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two third-rounders. An idea maybe of the price what you got to give up to get number one, it's a whole lot as we get Adam Schefter back in here. Adam, what's the latest that you're hearing when it comes to the Bears potentially trading that number one overall pick? Laura, they've made no secret of the fact that they are open for business. They are listening to offers. They've already been approached by multiple teams interested in exploring the possibility of trading up to the number one spot in the draft. Now, the Bears have a number of draft needs, a number of holes to fill. They are without the first pick in the second round, having traded that pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers for Chase Claypool earlier in the season before the trade deadline. And so the Bears would like to replenish some of that draft stock address some of those holes and I think there's an expectation around the league that sometime before the draft that that number one pick very well could be sent elsewhere and if you look at all the teams in the top 10 there are about a half dozen of them that could make an argument about moving up if the price is right and the player that they have identified is somebody worthy of moving up to go get. Oh, it's why I cannot wait for April 27th. The first day of that draft is going to be <laughs> unbelievable. Thanks to Adam. More from him coming your way. That's Matt Miller. We got Mina Kimes, Ryan Clark, Dan Orlovsky. I'm Laura Rutledge here with you. We just actually saw the Bears brass in their box here in the stadium right now watching the D linemen work out. So we'll probably see them a little bit more. But Matt, is there a quarterback, let's start here, that you think would be worth moving up to number one overall and giving up a lot to get? 
Yeah, I hope Chris Ballard can hear me because there is a quarterback <laughs> worth trading up for. It is Bryce Young. Why are we overthinking this? Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this class. He's been the best quarterback in the country the last two years. He won a Heisman Trophy. On a bad Alabama team last year, he was the best quarterback in the country, guys. So <laughs> I don't know why they're overthinking this. I don't know why Chris Ballard thinks if you like a guy at four, you wouldn't go to one to get him to make sure that he's actually there at four. If he were six foot three, he would be Joe Burrow. I don't know how else to simplify it for Correct. people who yeah. haven't watched him play yet. He's five ten and a half. That's the only thing that you can't like about Bryce Young's game. Yeah, totally. I think there's two guys. I think Bryce is one, and then C.J. Stroud. Here's the thing: I, I, this class I like so much better than the 2021 class because there's way more like giant question marks. I think when you're going to take a quarterback number one, really any position, but a quarterback number one, do they have uncoachable traits? Do they have things in their game that you are just not going to implement in them? C.J. Stroud's ability to throw people open, I think is very, very unique. I, I feel confident saying he's going to be a really good pro in the NFL. Bryce's playmaking creativity, his pocket feel is so rare and unique that you can't coach that into a guy. Yeah. So I feel good sitting here going, those are two quarterbacks that if you're a team that think is thinking about, we need a quarterback and we want to go up, if you can get either one of those, obviously one's going to go at one, either one of those guys, you feel like we, if, unless, here's the thing, Bryce is only going to fail if he gets hurt. He's not going to fail because he's not good enough. That's real talk. How rare can you say that about taking a quarterback at one? He will only not make it if he gets hurt. And you got to come to that decision as an organization whether you're okay with that or not. Okay, we're going to find out exactly how much Bryce Young weighs here, exactly how tall he is. Matt mentioned earlier they'll stretch him out a little yeah. bit for that measurement. That happens on Saturday. He's not throwing here. He'll throw it as pro day. The other three quarterbacks we're talking about will throw on Saturday. But, Mina, when it comes to the trades and the teams who really need a quarterback, which team <laughs> are you looking out for here to get up to number one? I'm laughing because Chris Ballard might say, he's perfectly content yeah. at number four, but come on. I mean, we heard him say earlier this year that yeah, yeah, they right, were going to do right. whatever it takes to move up and get a it's quarterback. Time. His own owner is uh, reducing their leverage by airing out his, his <laughs> right. interest in Bryce Young and posting right. pictures of himself on a bear, weirdly. Um, the Colts are the team. The, Col the Colts, you walk around here, you talk to anyone, yeah. the Colts at four. Everybody is pointing to them as the team that's most likely to go up at number one for obvious reasons. The other team... That not only is a name I keep hearing, but also one that I firmly believe should consider it is the Carolina Panthers. It's a oh. team that I think needs to draft quarterback this year. And if they yeah. really love Bryce, I would be aggressive about going up I and agree. getting him. Well, I think Bryce has separated himself based on the play. Like right now, we're doing all those things where we want to nitpick and say why somebody shouldn't be number one. Bryce Young, all he's done is ball out for two consecutive years. Yeah. And I would say different from Joe Burrow, he didn't have a year where he had to come out and prove everything. Yeah. From the moment he stepped on the field, he was the dude. Yeah. If he's 6'2 or 6'3, I think we're thinking of him differently than Joe Burrow. This is the Trevor Lawrence conversation of once-in-a-lifetime talent. And so if you're the Chicago Bears, make people come get that. Right. Make people have to earn that yeah. because you need everything. It's not like right. the Chicago right. Bears can just trade back a little bit and then go, oh, yeah, now we got our guy. Let's grab the rusher or grab the defensive player. No, you need to trade and trade some more and continue <laughs> to stockpile picks so you can get skilled players, so you can get people in the front seven defensively. Yeah. There's so much that they need, and you need, need to make people jump to get Bryce Young. But, but you do – I'm with you. Like, 
you have to be okay with the size, though. Like, when you're taking him number one, I think there's going to be owners and general managers that sit there. I've had conversations. They say his tape is great, and the, oh, the, the phrase is used, defenders are going to throw him around. So as, a, as an organization, it can't just like, – you, you have to be – Is so, that true? Are defenders going to throw Dan, him around? Dan, here's my question to you. Here's my question to you. Yeah? Drew, yeah. I, I, I can't remember who else was drafted with Drew Brees, right? right? If, if GMs and executives got an opportunity to go back and pick Drew Brees, 100%. would he be picked first overall? 100%. He's nowhere near – But you as, know that's not how the draft works, right? I understand that's not how the draft works, but we have to at some point in our lives get away from how the draft works because the one question we have about Bryce Young is can he stay healthy? Right. How many more questions do you have about everybody else? Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So which question weighs the most? Right. And it's and it's you got to ask is the size, do you think it'll affect his ability or durability? That's the thing. Like if you feel because of the size that it's going to affect his durability and he's not going to make it 3 or 4 years, then you're having a real conversation of going, "Well, while we love the player, I can't take him at one." I guarantee you, general managers, they're doing this very thing in those rooms right now. Like right. yeah. we love him. At some point the organization, the owner, general manager and head coach have to go, like almost like Baltimore did with Lamar. We're in. We understand whatever yeah, yeah. the we're in. Here's the here's the thing. I'd rather just take a chance that he doesn't make it because he gets hurt than draft somebody who I don't know if they could yes. play. I totally yeah. agree. I totally agree. And we ain't I'm gonna pay him Jamal. I'm rolling Russell the money. dice in my future on saying you are going to stay healthy and you're that good of a player rather than the concern of you're going to get hurt. We'll dive into this a lot more, but it also matters how he's going to be protected, right? And yes, I exactly. think that, to me, is going to be something that a team's going to have to reckon with, too. Do we have the protection for this player? All right, to some more news that we're going to get to and follow here at the Combine. Georgia defensive tackle and top prospect Jalen Carter faces misdemeanor counts of reckless driving and racing in the January 15th wreck that killed offensive lineman Devin Willock and recruiting staff member Chandler LaCroix. Carter returned to Athens to answer the charges and was booked at 11.33 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday night and released at 11.49 p.m. after posting bond, according to online records. Adam, he's now here. He's actually on the field yeah. below us right now. What's the latest going on with how this news is reverberating in NFL circles? Well, this has been quite a period here for Jalen Carter. And again, let's go back to the events of January 15th when two lives were lost and obviously police launched an investigation that ended up yesterday with Jalen Carter returning to Athens, being booked, as you mentioned, Laura, posting bond and returning this morning to Indianapolis to go through interviews with teams. And there are going to be a lot of questions this week and leading up to the draft process about Jalen Carter's involvement here and his character. And teams that are going to consider drafting him are going to want to know from his side, his version of the events from the night of January 15th. There will be more questions than answers right now. And right now, he's also not subject to the NFL's personal conduct policy. But if and when this case happens to linger into the time that he's drafted, he then could be subject to the NFL's personal conduct policy. And if there are more incidents that stem back to the night of January 15th, the NFL could then hold the series of events against him in the future. So there are a lot of questions and a lot of information 
that teams are now sifting through. They'll want to talk to Jalen Carter, and apparently he wants to talk to them by the fact that he rushed back here to Indianapolis to meet with teams the rest of this week, Laura. Carter did release a statement that said in part he expects to be fully exonerated of these charges. And again, he was not prepared, was not going to be doing any of the drills on the field regardless. He was just coming here for interviews. That's, of course, to Adam's point, exactly what he'll be doing here. A lot more coming your way from Indy as we're live on NFL Live from the Combine. And coming up, one of the key ingredients to the Chiefs Super Bowl run was the dominant O-line. See which team Matt Miller thinks has a lot of pressure on them to hit on a lineman in this draft. We're talking the big fellas next, my favorite. And then with the 2023 draft classes loaded with talent at defensive back, find out who's jumping off the tape for Mina and RC. It's all coming your way after the break. Glad you're with us live from Indy. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. He'll scramble. He's at the 35, but he's ankle tackled there at the 36. And he's hurt. Mahomes is hurt. I kind of rolled it a little bit. It didn't feel good, but I was going to leave it all out there. They're going to throw a quick pass to Tony. He's got it on the edge. Touchdown! I told y'all at the beginning of the week, there's nothing that's going to keep me off that football field. Don't underestimate how tough Patrick Mahomes is. Everything we work for is for this moment. You have to enjoy this moment. You can't let the moment overtake you. The Chiefs kingdom will raise a banner above the National Football League again. All right, so that was a big highlight reel of Patrick Mahomes. But you know who really deserves a ton of credit? The big fellas, okay? The Chiefs offensive line dominated throughout their Super Bowl run as they posted the best pass block win rate by any team since that metric was created in 2017. KC was nearly just as good in the run game, ranking third in the league in run block win rate. They were so good. And so we welcome you back here to Indy. You know, Lewis, when you think about constructing a championship team, so much of it is done, as you know, from your first front office experience in those lines of scrimmage. Mm. How important is it in the draft building with these guys? Look, I, I don't think we've ever had an offseason or rather a postseason where we talked about offensive line play as much as it was as we talked about it <laughs> this year. Right. And for good reason, because these guys were playing at such a different level on the Philadelphia squad, on on Kansas City's team and even in even in Cincinnati. You knew that would come back to bite them a little bit as far as the number of people that they, they had missing in the AFC Championship game. But still, it, it's one of those positions that right now don't get a lot of fanfare. But I'm telling you right now, this is where scouting directors and general managers are really, really focusing their attention. And look, Paris Johnson from Ohio State is one of my favorites simply because he was a 13-game starter at right guard last year, moved to left tackle this year. Right here, he's going up against one of the most powerful pass rushers in the draft in Lucas Van Ness from, from Iowa, who will just absolutely shorten your neck with his bull rush. Woo! And Paris did a very good job against him. That's not Lucas right there, but nevertheless, you saw his hand use right there. And the reason why I like Paris is because he has inside pass protection, meaning he has experience playing guard, but at the same time, when he moved out to tackle, he has the athletic ability and the toughness, especially in the run game, 
to be able to move out to the edge. Real good job of, do, of executing combo blocks, executing in space and all. And look, I'm just telling you this, that that position, as much as we like to talk about quarterbacks and we're talking about Bryce Young, right, and it's important where he goes yeah. because protection is going to be important. As much as Bryce Young's success depends on him, it depends on everything around him. I can just tell you, we can sit here and we can get excited about him all we want. Mm. But context, again, my favorite word is going to be important. He better go somewhere where they have a lot of Paris Johnsons on their roster. Mm. Yeah, and you're seeing Todd McShay's top offensive tackles in this class. Those are the top four. Matt, what are some team fits for some of these talented guys? Yeah, Lewis has hit the nail on the head. It's so important this year, and it's a good offensive tackle class. I look at Peter Skaronsky coming out of Northwestern. Yeah, we're going to talk about arm length. He's probably going to come in about six foot four, but this dude is a Mauler in the run game. And if you're the Tennessee Titans, remember when you missed on Isaiah Wilson in the first round and it set everything back for you? Here's your answer to that. There's going to be a conversation. Is he a left tackle? Is he right tackle? I believe he's a left tackle. The opener against Nebraska this year. They played it in Dublin, Ireland. He just steamrolled that entire Cornhusker defensive line. So he's a tone setter. He's going to be aggressive. He's strong. I love the, the technique that he has coming out of Northwestern, too. Rashawn Slater was the guy who played that spot before him. He's pretty good. They know how to do it in Chicago. He's all right. There's one team that needs to fix their offensive line. It's the Chicago Bears. Uh, Chicago Bears have a superstar talent at quarterback. You got the number one pick that you're going to trade back and acquire a lot of talent. Chicago needs to get at least two, at least two starters out of this draft. If they do that, get good players, Justin Fields will skyrocket with the talent that is going to be protecting of him. Chicago's the obvious one. I'll throw out Buffalo as well. Buffalo needs to upgrade to keep Josh Allen a little bit more upright. Yeah, um, on that list, I'll just point out Broderick Jones. The dude's a bully. So if you want somebody who's just mean and is going to go out there and make yeah. like you. Yeah, exactly. Actually, Darnell if you right. <laughs> yeah, Darnell Wright, we love him, too. Yes. You brought him up against yeah. Will Anderson, Jr. I just, all right, let's get into defensive backs. We can talk it. about the big fellas all day long, but apparently we're not able to. OK, let's go to these DBs. It's loaded with talent this year. We begin with Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois, who had more interceptions than passing touchdowns allowed in his college career. And next up, how about Penn State's Joey Porter Jr., the son of former Steelers linebacker Joey Porter. And Porter Jr. had a pass breakup on 38% of the targets he faced last season best in the FBS. Then there's Oregon's Christian Gonzalez, a big physical corner who has excelled in press coverage over the last two seasons, holding opposing QBs to a 36% completion rate. And how about the lone safety among this group? Alabama's Brian Branch, who had 12 tackles for loss last season, second most by any defensive back. So let's go to our resident DB here in the building, Ryan Clark. Which of these DBs stands out to you? Well, you know, I want to talk about Brian Branch because when you look at the way today's game has shifted. Versatility is so important. This is a guy that can play inside, also play safety. And you mentioned the tackle for loss, but it's his feel for the game that I love. This is the top coverage. It looks like press, but the press man is actually on the guy off the ball. Watch his patience, knowing that it's third and five. He doesn't get out quickly, closes on the ball, gets the pass breakup, incompletion. Now it's fourth down. Here's also a great play. They're going to bump. They're in two men. So he's actually going to be high so they can be at levels. Watch him slice this out cut because he knows he has a safety over the top of him and he's able to get underneath and make the play on this football. Just great understanding. Here you're going to see a wheel route. Watch his understanding of the route tree. He gets over top the runner and now he's able to get into the pocket of the receiver. Look at him locate the ball. Watch his eyes go up and not necessarily back. He's able to elevate and pick the football off. I feel like he's going to be a plug-in starter on day one that eventually becomes your middle of the field safety and possibly a pro bowler. 
Yeah, my guy is Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois. RC knows this because I was texting him <laughs> clips before we got here that yeah. I personally narrated. Um, <laughs> look, there's a couple of things. Well, he, he's excellent he did, in coverage. Actually. He's scheme versatile, but he's very good in man coverage. When targeted this year, he allowed a QBR of five, which is the lowest of any cornerback targeted at least five, uh, 50 times Pardon me, in college football. But equally importantly, this dude loves to hit, yeah. loves to hit, whether it's blowing up screens, tackling the ball carrier in space, blitzing the quarterback, which you saw him do a fair amount. He plays like he thinks he's about 20 pounds bigger than he is. I can relate to that. He's probably has to put on a little bit of weight to make in the NFL. But I'm telling you that he plays with a level of physicality that is exciting to it watch. Is. All right. Uh, by the way, when it comes to measurements, Mina is very tall. Okay. I just want to yes. clear that up. Thank for you. Much taller than you think, guys. There. She's you. not. She's five. Dan, she's five eight, maybe five nine. Oh, and in heels, God. she's at least six foot. <laughs> so am I. Bryce Young is six two. <laughs> it's lion season. <laughs> Coming up next from she's Indianapolis, five, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks. How close is the gap between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud for the top QB in the class? Well, Dan's going to tell you why Stroud's tape is making it tough on teams looking for that answer. They might be closer in talent and skill level than you think. The NFL is here in Indy, and we'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It is time to go get your quarterback. I'm a believer in CJ Stroud. Yeah, I'm God. He is such a great thrower of the football. The throw by CJ Stroud. You don't teach that. I can't lie, man, it's time. Yeah, because they be waiting on Stroud, touchdown. Stroud just has a natural, God-given talent. I don't have to prove anybody wrong. I just want to prove myself right. He just might prove himself right. And I think a whole lot of teams here really like C.J. Stroud. We do on this show. What a fun quarterback to watch. You talk about, as Dan was mentioning earlier, the ability to throw receivers open. There's so many attractive things about Stroud's game, not to mention what we saw him put on display in the biggest moment against Georgia in a game where he really used his legs. So during his two seasons as Ohio State starting quarterback, Stroud led the nation in QBR, passing touchdowns and yards per dropback. As a result, he became the first player to be named a Heisman finalist in consecutive seasons since 2017 when Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield did it. And so, Dan, when you look at the way that we rank these quarterbacks, and something that we talk about a lot on this show, even huh. just amongst ourselves, the, the gap, I know, <laughs> the gap between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud may not be as big when you talk about one and two for everybody. I, I don't think it is. Yeah. I, I think C.J. is the best pure passer of the football in the class. And the more you watch his tape, the more there are aspects of his game you love. Ball placement, I always say this, throwing away from the defenders. You better put this stop route on that guy's right shoulder because that corner from Notre Dame's driving on it. Bang. That is remarkable ball placement. Yeah. By the way, it's from the right hash all the way across the field. He does that a ton. Second of all, 
We've talked about him a little bit like he's a statue. There's a difference between creativity and escapability. No, he's not going to go run around like a Bryce, but an unblocked middle linebacker comes. Are you good enough to two hands on the ball right away? Get outside of the pocket. Keep your eyes down the field. Look for someone to work with you and then make that throw. That is escapability. Get me out of bad stuff. He does that consistently on tape. Laura, you just mentioned throwing people open. Can you pull guys away from defenders with your throw? Look at this throw. This is called the Puma route. It's a stop, but you want to bring him towards the sideline away mm -hmm. from the defender yeah. with a little bit of love and or touch on the throw. And then there's great recognition of what is the play and then how do I operate it? All out zero pressure versus Notre Dame. Both safeties come pay attention to his drop. He extends his drop almost like Patrick did in the Super Bowl on three jet chip wasp. Keeps going back to create some space from him and the defensive lineman and then lofts this post on the middle of the field right on the break. The, everything that you sit there and go, man, can the quarterback do this, 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 and this? His tape, it, it's littered with it. And um, the more you watch the tape, the more you sit there and go, he is going to be a very, very, very good NFL pro. If I was guaranteed that C.J. Stroud was playing behind a very good offensive line, I would take him over Young. I, I would project him to have a better first year than agree. Bryce Young. Yeah. But that's never a guarantee in the right. NFL. Right. I mean, when he is well protected, he looks like an NFL quarterback. Yep. He makes NFL caliber throws. Yeah, How yep. many times have we seen this that's guy real. hit the deep out to the field, which is the gold <laughs> standard for me, and it's just perfect. He sets protections. He manipulates safeties. He, he does it all. Yes. But while he has shown some agility and escapability, as you highlighted, the play under pressure was up and down for me, yeah. Dan. And that, to me, is the differentiating factor between him and Bryce. As much as I love him and as much as I think he can improve upon those things. Jay, and talking to some of the people who have coached him, it's going to be the relationship between him and his quarterback coach, him and his offensive coordinator, that trust. Because you saw it manifest itself in that game against Georgia mm -hmm. where they felt as though they had finally hit a sweet spot with him. And you see right here, look, him in the pocket as far as going through three different progressions uh -huh. and then Telvin Marvin Harrison, no, go here. I'm just yeah. going to loft it to you. And throw. This next play, though, this is the one that for me capped it off. I shut the film off right here. I said, you know what, if you can right now, if you can avoid three guys, Ooh. keep your eyes down the field, hold on to that football and throw that ball right there. Yeah. I said, I'll tell you what, I don't really need to watch any more tape of you. I want to hear about where you are at as far as your development is concerned and how we can continue to then grow that. So I started making some calls, and they said, look, it's about trust with CJ. Mm -hmm. If you can get him to warm up to you, get him to believe in what you're saying, the sky is the absolute freaking limit. And the last thing I'll say about quarterback play is this. Yeah. I remember hearing Kurt Warner just talk about this recently. He said, we become so enamored with people who can create outside of structure. There's something to be said for the guys who can play within structure mm -hmm. and then can wind up extending plays and Get surviving when things start to break down. Yeah. It's not just all about, hey, let me just run back here and run around and act all crazy and throw the football. Yeah. He goes, that's why it's a structured position. Mm -hmm. And this kid right here, I'll I get look, I love Bryce Young too. It's like a video game watching the young man play. This guy right here, I think, is the gem. This is the one. And I think at some point in time, hopefully in his career, if he gets to the right place, yeah. he's going to prove a lot of people right wow. that yeah. believe that. Yeah, I, did, did I, I, I agree. Take my notes. How <laughs> 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 do you see UGA game right there? Who is that? Throwing dots from the pocket. 
Hey, but no, honestly, though, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge CJ Stroud fan. I got the opportunity to interview him last offseason. But it almost seems, think about how far we got into this show before we had a segment on CJ Stroud. Sure. And Dan actually just mentioned him earlier when talking about Bryce Young. CJ Stroud coming into last season was talked about as possibly elevating himself to being the first overall pick of this draft. And when you watch him play the game, it looks like it's supposed to from the quarterback position. And there were those questions about escapability, and it's almost as if someone whispered in his ear before the college football playoffs, hey, mm -hmm. you're going to play Georgia. I want you to just run around a little bit and create some plays yeah. so you can prove to people that you can. Mm -hmm. C.J. Stroud can be a dude in this league. I do believe yeah. it's about the right situation, but if he finds that, he has the tools to be a very good NFL quarterback. It, it, it's like the – it's almost the complete contrast, and I think you mentioned this before in relation to Levis. Yeah. You don't have a lot of Levis – clips where you sit and see guys getting open in good protection. So that's a little bit of a tough evaluation. And then with CJ, you often see pretty darn good protection and guys going open. And when that happens, he's as good as a guy that's really come out in three years in this draft. The, the question for teams is going to be when it does get muddy, how good is he? You know, that, and that's, but that's the case for 99.9% .9 of the quarterbacks that have ever played. Right. Mina, you know what I'm then Lewis. Go. No, I just, you were talking about it. That's why I kind of like Carolina for him. I'm an totally ascendant agree. offensive line, good young for skill CJ. players oh, okay. for CJ Stroud, if he makes it there. I don't yeah, know the last thing I'll say about CJ is this. Remember, he's always been chasing Bryce Young, too. Yeah. yeah. They're Good both point. from California. And, yeah. and I've been told, oh, he got a chip on his shoulder now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's not one of those things where he's going to be out there and just, like, vocalizing it. But it's there. And that, that's what makes him, to me, so damn intriguing. Yeah, yeah. I saw that the week of covering them in the college football playoff against Georgia. And one thing, too, to keep in mind, that Georgia defense – one of the best, not as good as last season, yeah, but yeah. one of the best that we've seen in some time in college football. God, they face it, Adolph. It, yes, they <laughs> did. They were eating people's faces <laughs> off. And then C.J. Stroud said, I'm going to eat your face off. Okay, let's get to I'm Carolina. <laughs> Talk about the Panthers. <laughs> the first order of business for new head coach Frank Reich will be the quarterback position. Over the last two seasons, the Panthers quarterbacks rank last in the NFL in QBR and touchdown to interception ratio. And the only quarterbacks they currently have in a contract are Matt Corral and Jacob Eason. Dan Graziano talked to Frank Reich here at the Combine. Frank, I got to ask you, you, go, you went from one team that had quarterback questions for years and now you go to Carolina and it's an unsettled situation. How do you look at your quarterback situation right now? Yeah, I mean, I think the experience of what I have in Indianapolis can serve, can serve me and us well for making a decision that we need to make to find the right quarterback. So take it one day at a time, process through all the options. You're one of the teams that has met with Derek Carr, who's a free agent here. How did that meeting go, and, and what do you think of him as a, as a possibility as your answer? I, I thought it went great. I mean, I think he's a, he's a really good player, really good leader, really good person. Um, I thought the meeting went well. Um, you know, but we are working through all the options, uh, but excited about the time we have with Derek. Among the options, obviously you're here at the Combine. There are some of the guys at the top of the draft. Have you had much time to study the top draft quarterbacks and or meet with them? And what have been your impressions? Yeah, I have had a chance to meet with most of them and uh, have started that studying process. I'm not through all of them, but starting to knock out, you know, one at a time and, you know, maybe about halfway through some of those top guys. And um, excited about this draft class, you know, excited about the guys that are out there. Um, I think it's a big deal for the NFL. I think getting these good young players uh, is going to be great for the league. All right, so you see Frank Reich in the building here with the Panthers brass. And, Lewis, what should they do at quarterback? 
But I, I think they have a, a, the real potential to set up a perfect scenario for a young quarterback yeah. if they're able to get Derek Carr there. Because, look, Derek, you know, would tutor a guy and, ch- and teach a guy how to be a professional, you know, a la and Alex Smith and what he did for, you know, for Patrick Mahomes down in Kansas City. But just think about this coaching staff, too, between Frank Thomas Brown, the OC, Josh McCown, the quarterback coach, mm. uh, Derek Carr, if you have him there on the roster as a bridge guy, and then have a young guy come in here, a guy like C.J. Stroud, if they were able to trade up and get him, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Are you, you talk, you're talking about a good situation? Oh. Yeah. I would be sitting there right now. If I was Jeff Tepper, I'd be like, I did it. Finally. Yeah. I, I made it. Yeah, finally. It, exactly. It, it makes me point. think we're going to leave it here because we got more to get to, but it makes me think Anthony Richardson's another one that could be a candidate for them 100%. because he probably yeah. needs Any of the young rate, quarterbacks, right. if they could go into that kind of situation, totally. I'd be sitting there going, perfect. Let's do it. Okay, coming up on NFL Live, we've got a lot more coming your way. Dynamic tight ends, results in wins, okay? Just ask the Chiefs and stick around to see which tight end Mina believes has some Gronk-like tendencies. Baby Gronk, okay? We'll be right back. More NFL Live from the Combine coming your way. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. New on NFL Live, action from today in India at the Combine with the big fellas, the D Lyman, Adam Schefter per Next Gen Stats. Pittsburgh's Kalijah Cansey ran an official 4.67 second 40-yard dash. That's the fastest time recorded by a defensive tackle at the NFL Combine since 2003. CC Lewis Riddick, our own pit guy here. It's faster than Aaron Donald, Lou. Yeah. I mean, by like a one-hundredth of a second yeah you know i mean obviously 40 times or 40 times and aaron donald's a legend right he's going to go down as maybe one of the greatest football players ever but kalijah has a lot of things working in his favor and we were just talking about this off camera the way guys are able to improve from year to year now given the kind of sports science that is at their disposal this is just the tip of the iceberg for this young man remember when aaron donald came out of pittsburgh do you remember if you put a if you put a picture of aaron donald when he came out of pittsburgh versus aaron donald now you go that's not the same guy and he, was, and he was absolutely destroying people in college football then. So what Kalijah right now is starting on, that journey that he's starting on, it's real, real exciting because you have a comparable that went to the same school who did maybe some of the same things at this point in his, in his career. We love to see it. You were very professional about that pit moment there, too, by yeah, the way. I'm never as do as you never always do. I, I try. I, 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 he wasn't even part of this, and you somehow made it about him. All right, let's well, get to the tight ends. <laughs> on Saturday, we're going to see these prospects, right these tight ends working out here in Indy. Look at some of them coming in. For what the receiver class this year may lack in some people's eyes, the tight end class makes up for it. It's a deep and talented I'm sorry, tight end Laura. group. No, don't be sorry because that really was you just funny. Do that again? Yeah. <laughs> Dan, you're so weird. Like All right, so here's some of the tight oh, ends like, in Mel's mock. Okay, Mel Kuyper Jr. has four tight ends in the first round of his latest mock draft in Woo! the common draft era. There there, we've crazy. never seen that many tight ends go off the board in the first round. Kuyper's top tight end, Notre Dame's Michael Meyer, followed by Utah's Dalton Kincaid. 
RC, when you look at this tight end class and you see it there, but I mean, that would make history that many tight ends going in the first, but how do you assess them? Well, the other piece of it is this. When you look at those top two guys, especially, it's about production, right? When you look at what Michael Meyer was able to pr produce at Notre Dame, he got better each and every year, pr produced more touchdowns toward the end of, this, uh, end of his career. He was a big physical catcher of the football. He wasn't necessarily the guy that moved around like we see a Travis Kelsey, but he had great hands. He had great feel. Yeah. And he was also someone they used extensively in the red zone, which yeah. is where you make your money as the tight end. And when you speak of Dalton Kincaid, mm -hmm. I got to see Jordan, my son who plays for Arizona State, play against Utah twice in the, so last, in the last two seasons. <laughs> as he would always say, he'd be like, Pops, it's about the tight ends. Yeah. He's like, even if we're in nickel, we're going to go nickel to 12 personnel because their tight ends are both so good in pass. And so I think when you look at those top two guys, you're talking about instantly having impact from the tight end position in the pass game. Yeah. Which is unusual because tight end is one of those positions where rookies usually don't make an impact upon coming into the NFL. But Meyer in particular, when you watch him, it's so easy to imagine it translating at the next level. Mm -hmm. They called him Baby Gronk in college. And, you know, Gronk is, it, that's one of those comps you're always a little bit scared to make. But he has that same quality where he doesn't look that graceful when he runs. Yes. He's not going to have a <laughs> right. crazy 40 but he just gets open yep. and he just comes down with the football because his catch radius is so insane. I actually think, frankly, his route running is a little bit underrated and he's sure. quite shifty at the line of scrimmage. But, you know, when I look at Mayer and I think about the NFL, it's I can just picture so many teams making use of him immediately. Hmm. Totally. It's just it's so weird that there's certain positions that we know are very important and that we know are wild cards that can really tilt, you know, the balance of power in your favor. And yet we still don't give them enough shine. This position is the one. This is why because of the because of the um, the quandary that they put you in as far as do we go sub or do we stay base? Well, and when you're talking about Don Kincaid, look, if he will just give this kind of effort on those sip blocks or wamble, whatever you want to call him, if he can give that kind of effort, you'll never take him off the field and you will never be able to say, well, he's just a pass catcher because we we know he can do this. We know he can get down the seam and high point the football over top of a, of a nickel linebacker's head. He's going to go up and rise up and catch the football. The other thing that you know that this guy can do is he can run after the catch. So once you get it to him, he's going to break some tackles and he's going to get vertical quickly, despite the fact there really aren't tight ends who are 240, 238, mm. who can break tackles in the NFL. So he's going to need to get stronger. But then when you can put him out here and just run a tunnel screen like this for him and say, okay, now get in behind this offensive tackle, offensive guard, and see what you can do. Can you make some things happen? Can you show a burst of speed, a change of gears? Ooh. Dalton can do all of that. People are worried about his size. I'm not worried about his size. Just get him to Doug Peterson, Andy Reid. Oh, get him to somebody like that. Andy Reid, that's He'll unfair. Imagine him in that 13 personnel with yeah. Travis yeah. Kelsey. Yeah. Good night. Lots, lots of bodies. I, I would say this. I've called games for both of these guys in college football. Michael Mayer has got the best hands in the draft. Yeah. Mm. I'm not, tight ends, receivers, he's got the best hands in the draft. And Kincaid is really like a big Cooper Cup. Mm. As long as he's used that way. Now, sure. he's not a receiver, but he's a big Cooper Cup type of play. I just close my eyes, and I think if the Detroit Lions got one of them, obviously traded Hawk, yeah. the Detroit Lions got one of them. What happens if the Cleveland Browns get one? What happens if the Giants select Absolutely. one for Daniel Jones and, and, you, and their future? And you know what? Honestly, the best one we probably haven't talked about 
and that's Luke Musgrave from Musgrave Oregon State. Oregon yeah. State yeah. Saw him down at the Senior Bowl. Special. I'm just telling you, he walked by and I was like, well, I'll take one of those. Is he a straight line guy? Is I he want a one speed of those. guy? Oh, he can go. He can. He's a speed guy. He is a lateral guy. He will compete. He's got great genetics. Yeah. I'm telling you, when you when you when he walks by yeah. you, I the only other person I can remember looking at a wide receiver like that is I remember the first time I saw Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Uh, when you see Brandon Marshall, yep. you're like, that's not a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Luke Musgrave, I'm going, my goodness, he looks like a Hall of Famer. Built perfect, and he's going to fill out too. Yeah. He may be the best go one the, of this group. They got to go to the right places, yeah, though, and use their like because yeah. Mayer is a George Kittle type of player. You want him yeah. at the point blocking and being a part of your run game. Where Kincaid is a little bit of a chess piece, move yep. around, pass game oriented guy. Get him to the right co- offensive coordinator. Right. Uh, how about the fact that we mentioned what five, six, seven guys? I mean, just talk, that speaks Stacks. to the depth of this tight end class. And it's the best be- one is still in college. Yeah. Still playing at Georgia. Bowers. I was going to say, yeah. Brock Stupid. Bowers is the guy. Oh, yeah. That, uh, we'll look for him next he's not, year. He's, he's over here. We set him over here for <laughs> no. right now. We're like, are we going to hold out and wait for yeah. him? Okay. <laughs> Coming up next on NFL Live, you don't want to miss this, I promise. Anthony Richardson, one of the most polarizing players in this draft. But see what intangibles Dan sees that makes him a Richardson believer. All the latest on the Florida quarterback coming your way from Indy in moments. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. UFC 285 Saturday night from T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. It's another stacked card with two title fights highlighted by the long-awaited return of John Jones. The main card begins at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific on pay-per-view with the prelims at 8 on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus. To order the main card in English and Spanish, go to ESPNPlus.com slash PPV. Hey, can't wait to see Anthony Richardson throw Saturday with the other QBs. The Florida quarterback, one of the most fascinating prospects we've seen in a while. Worth remembering, his first year in college, 2020, an odd year where he wasn't even really a backup to Kyle Trask at that point. Then 2021, he played in limited spurts. In 2022, he finally got a chance last season to start, but also learned an all-new offensive system, had very few weapons emphasis on very few his immense physical talent jumps off the screen but also because of his struggles with accuracy during his college career there are questions Richardson completed only 54.7 percent of his passes during his time at Florida over the last 25 years only three QBs have been drafted in the first round after posting a sub 55 completion percentage in college those quarterbacks Kyle Bowler Ryan Leaf and Jake Locker Dan, how unique is Richardson as a physical talent? As rare as we've seen in years. I mean, he's a unicorn. The combination of athleticism, size, and then natural arm ability, natural throwing ability is incredibly rare. How many times have we seen a quarterback do this pregame? Yum! That's a quarterback, okay? There's that, that natural athleticism that he has. I called this game. Watch this play. Two defenders at Utah right there. What do you do? Pump fake and jump. Yep. Somehow, while you're doing that spin, land on your feet, and then <laughs> get outside of that 
and throw an absolute perfect throw. I mean, that is just these jaw-dropping rare moments. This is probably my favorite play he's had in his career. This is a little bit of half move. He's supposed to get outside to the right. There's pressure off his right, so he's got to move to his left, eyes downfield, flip the hips, and then throw this ball 35-plus yards downfield. This is pretty good coverage now, so you got to lead that guy mm. to a little space and window. Mm. Perfect throw. That's my nice. favorite Anthony. Anthony that, that is not a guy that I look at and go, accuracy issues. Hmm. Over the next six or seven weeks, this show and I are going to debunk the people who say Anthony Richardson has accuracy issues. I think that his twitch and suddenness <laughs> is very rare. And if he and I heard Daniel Jeremiah say this, the Patrick Mahomes plan has got to be the plan. Go get drafted, yeah. sit for a year, yeah. work on the things that we need to work on, hmm. and then his talent is top five player at that position in the NFL. Wow. wow. We know the talent, the highlights. We also know the questions. To me, what gives me the most confidence that I think Anthony Richardson can succeed in the NFL is that he doesn't take a lot of sacks. Yeah, okay. So he holds on to the football a long time. Obviously, he has a, has a long time to throw. But his sack rate when pressured was the eighth lowest amongst all Power 5 quarterbacks okay. last year, 10%. That's very unusual. It speaks to his feel for pressure yeah. and how elusive he is inside the pocket. Not bailing on the pocket, inside the pocket. Mm. And I'm telling you guys, that's something that matters a lot to me because it's something that has continuity year to year. It's something that I loved about Justin Herbert as a yeah. rookie. It's something that I liked about Trevor Lawrence as a rookie. And mm. it is something. It is a quality that I think Anthony Richardson has. Like you, know, you know what happens when you watch really good college football? You think to yourself, we want to draft the best athlete on the field. Yeah. And if you're ever watching Florida last year play against, play against anyone, that athlete was Anthony Richardson. And a lot no of times doubt. you probably said that about a guy like a Trey Lance or you said that about a guy like a Josh Allen. Well, it was playing at freaking Wyoming and North Dakota State. <laughs> right? This man plays in the SEC. Yeah. And for whatever you want to say is wrong about him, oh, he doesn't have a lot of experience. That's like Trey Lance. Or he's a little inaccurate. He has to improve his accuracy down the field. That's like Josh Allen. Don't care because they wasn't playing in the SEC right. and they weren't the best athletes on the field every single Saturday. When you cut this tape on, you're going to fall in love with those traits and with those things. And if he gets to the right place, I agree. that could absolutely explode in big-time football. And I think the things that you sit there and go, what does he have to improve on? The encouraging part is they're all coachable things. Right, right, Feet right. with yeah. his mechanics, yeah. a little bit of touch on some throws, seeing windows a little bit more. And, and, and I would argue this is not in disrespect. He hasn't been really coached to play like real NFL football yeah. either because some of the yeah. gimmicky colleges all, well, college offenses. Well, and that's something that Billy Napier has admitted. I mean, they know. They were doing the best with what they had. One of the things yeah. that Napier told me this week, though, Matt, is how intelligent Richardson is. I'm not sure that that actually gets as much credit as it should, but teams are noticing here, right? Teams are noticing, and it might matter more than how fast he is or how strong his arm is. I talked to a handful of scouts last night who had been in interviews where they had all four of the top quarterbacks back-to-back-to-back Every single one of them said Anthony Richardson is the best quarterback interview they've had this year. Some of them say he's the best quarterback interview they would have had last year. Really? He is crushing it in the interview portion. What happens behind us on the field is important. It's fun. That's why we're here. But the interviews are why the players are here, and he's crushing it. So if you can win the combine as a quarterback, you do it in these meetings, 15-minute speed dating yeah. that they do, and he's crushing it right now. Yeah, and Napier also said when it comes to skill set, 
it's the combination of the ability to throw the way that he can and the mobility with his legs. But Mina, he mentioned the arm as being, he thinks, a true NFL caliber arm. People talk about the athleticism, but the yeah. arm should play at this you next know, level. The Josh Allen comp is going to get thrown around a lot. Josh Allen is, of course, the the ultimate like yes case for sure. what would happen. But I would argue, I remember watching Josh Allen's tape out of Wyoming. Anthony Richardson actually throws with more touch downfield yeah, than Allen did it's as a, a college quarterback. Natural throwing motion. Yeah, tighter. so, you know, he does have some work to do. We, we'll talk about that over the next few weeks with the mechanics and I think on the short to intermediate stuff, but throwing deep. Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, as Dan said, we are apparently going to make the case for Anthony Richardson now up until the draft. And <laughs> what a trailer you just cut for NFL Live. We love it. We'll see you tomorrow here on NFL Live, live from the Combine. And, of course, remember that on-field workouts continue to go on right now with defensive linemen live coverage on NFL Network through this evening when the linebackers are scheduled to work out. The coverage will continue on NFL Network. Of course, remember, we'll see the quarterbacks throw. Some really good ones are going to be throwing on Saturday. You don't want to miss that I know I'm going to be posted up watching a ton of that and we've got a lot more coming your way what is that Will Levis is Will throwing Levis, man. Yeah. Levis I knew it we'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live for Vindy